Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at www.cwcsj.org for service times and directions. I'm glad we're singing this song right now, to be honest. Give myself away. I'm going to talk about giving your money away this morning. I hope you're still excited after after we get through the message today. You were just shouting and praising God just a little while ago, getting excited over the announcements. Hope you get excited over the word. We're going to continue talking about finances this morning. Where where is where did all the excitement go? <laughs> so, you were just singing about you wanting to give yourself away. That includes your wallet too. Now, listen, we're going to teach you this morning principles from the word. And, you know, I know that when it comes to money in the, in the church, there's been a lot of shady stuff, especially on television. I'm not making any crazy promises this morning. I'm not giving any kind of, you know, miracle spring water. If you give $100 a day, that's just, that's just, is just whack. You know, that stuff is just dumb. Um, you know, we're, we're, not, we're not doing that. But we do need to talk, talk about uh, finance. We've got to talk about money this morning. Why? Because Jesus talked about it. He talked about it more than heaven and hell. And if it's important to Jesus, then how many of you know, then we should probably be talking about it. And, you know, I, I watch um, anybody into politics here. I, I've, I've been watching, the, you know, the DNC, RNC, and uh, it's amazing. Um, you know, it's, it's just crazy how people, as they talk about the economy and, and government and um, just all the, the, the promises politicians are making, you can see it sometimes that when I look at those people, the camera pans on the crowd, it looks like some of these folks are at a church service or something because they're receiving what, what's being said to them. And they, there's so much hope in their eyes. Some people cry. They tear up. They're raising their hands with their signs, their fists, and they're just so pumped up like a, a party. Is, is going to change this nation. My hope is, is not in, in the Democrats or the Republicans. I don't even know who I'm going to vote for, to be honest. But my hope is, is not in, in the elephant or the donkey. It's in the Lion of Judah. That's who I'm putting my money on. Because God is the one that is going to turn this nation around, not, not what, what man is saying. So don't get all caught up in all of that. I watch and we pray for them. I'm not going to speak bad about Romney or Obama. We, we should be praying for them in the grace of God to do what they're doing. So, you know, that's all I'm going to say. But when we talk about the economy, we talk about money, we got to do things under God's economy. And we're going to talk about the, the blessing of giving this morning. We're just going to try to move real quickly this morning. But uh, first of all, the, the kingdom of God operates off of giving. You, you have to understand that, that you are here today because somebody else gave. You were not here today because you thought it was a good idea, because you just thought it would be nice to show up in church every week. It wasn't that the light bulb went on one day and you said, I better serve God. It's not because you, you just like this church, you like the preaching here, you like Pastor Dan. You were here today because somebody else gave. Somebody else gave of their time to minister to you. Somebody gave of their resources. Somebody gave you a ride to church. Somebody gave of their heart in 
prayer for you and interceded for you while you were a sinner. Somebody else gave something for you to be here today. And if it wasn't for what somebody else gave, you would not be sitting here right now. The entire gospel is based on giving. And if there is no giving, there is no gospel at all because it's because of what one man gave, the fact that God gave to us first that we even have the gospel. So without giving, there is no gospel. And we've got to get giving inside of our hearts. We've got to get generosity inside of our spirit, not just with money, with our time, with our talents, with, with giving our life and, and pouring into people. We just sang about it. You were all excited about it. But when it comes down to it, we just don't really want to give everything. Now, Luke chapter uh, 9, let's go and stand, stand with me just out of honor and respect for the word of God. I'm going to teach teach you some things this morning. We're going to use some principles this morning from the word in this story about giving. Somebody came up to me after and said that wasn't a a story about giving. It absolutely is a story about giving. This whole thing is about giving. The gospel is about giving. Luke chapter 10 and he and he talking about Jesus took them talking about the disciples and withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida when the crowds learned it they followed him and he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who who had need of healing now the day began to wear away and the 12 came and said to to him Send the crowd away to to go into surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging and get provisions, for we are here in a desolate place. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. Let's just stop right there. Father, we just thank you, God, for what you're doing in this church Lord, I pray that we would be excited about generosity, just like we're excited about healing and signs and wonders and blessing and favor. Let us be excited about generosity because the kingdom of God is based on giving. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go ahead and take your seats. If you are a visitor this morning, this is your first time here, you know, just, just uh, you know, don't walk away thinking that this church is all about money. We hardly ever talk about money in this church. And it's about time that we do a little bit more because people have to operate under the economy of God and stop worrying about the economy of the world. Amen. Are you with me? All right. Luke chapter chapter nine. The disciples are, are in an interesting predicament with Jesus. They just got back from a ministry trip where, where they went out and, and doing signs and wonders and demonstration, all this stuff. Jesus sent them on their field trip by themselves. Now they're reunited with Jesus. And the, the crowds have followed Jesus where he's at. He's healed people. That They got a large crowd of people. And this is an, an interesting story because the Bible says that the day began to wear away. Now what's, what's happening here is this, this, the disciples are in this never-ending service. The day began to wear away, wear away means that it was starting to get late. And I don't know if you've ever been in, in a church service that seems like it's just never going to end. You ever been in one of those? It's just never going to end. This guy is just never going to land the plane. He is talking about this and that. This thing is never going to end. This is like for eternity. You ever been in those? If you ever went to old Spanish churches growing up, those church, those, them services never end. And if you don't know Spanish and you're in a Spanish service, it feels like it's never going to end, ever. 
Now, these guys are probably in this thing, you know, where they're just like, dang, Jesus, land the plane already. We've been here all day. We just got back from this trip yesterday. We just want to chill. And, and some theologians think that this is the biggest crowd that Jesus ever spoke to. So, you know, I don't know if Jesus was just like happy, you know, got this whole crowd here, but this is like a long service. This all day, this thing needs to end. And, and the disciples tell Jesus something. They say, send the crowds away so that they can find lodging and they can get something to eat because we're in a desolate place. Now, from reading the word, we know that before the Holy Spirit falls on the disciples, they're not the most compassionate guys. You know what I mean? They're not really the dudes that you want to roll with all the time. They're not the kind of guys that are say, hey, man, I got your lunch. This one's on me. These guys are, are just not those kind of guys. They're not, not very compassionate. A lot of times they're just looking out for themselves. And I think that they have the idea that, you know what, we're going to tell Jesus, send the crowds away, not so that they can eat, so, but so we can eat. You know what I'm saying? Some of you thinking, man, hurry up wrap this up because I want to eat right now you know I do too all I had was a cliff bar this morning I was praying God multiply that in my stomach but anyway (laughs) these guys are are thinking you know Jesus send the crowd away they need to eat and Jesus responds to them and he says you know what you give them something to eat not the response that they they wanted because they're probably thinking you know what where where exactly are we going to find something to eat to give away to these folks. And we know from reading in, in the book of John, it's the same story as Luke. They, they find a little boy who, who is walking around with some food. He has five loaves of, of, of bread and, and, and two fishes. And uh, I think that this guy was Pastor Nick, you know, because Pastor Nick, if you ever go to a buffet with with him or, or Sweet Tomatoes, we, we like that place because you can eat all you want there. That that dude, Pastor Nick, is a bread stacker. That's what I call him. He's a bread stacker. You'll see his food, and you see, see stacks of, you know, dark brown bread, white bread, wheat bread, blueberry bread. You know, he just sta- he's on a high-carb diet. I think this little boy just loved his carbs. You know, how many love your carbs? You know, you just love your carbs. This boy loved his carbs. He has five fishes Five loaves of bread and two fishes. And, and the disciples are thinking to themselves, all right, all right, this, 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 this is a good idea, Peter. You know, let's, let's, let's take this food, take the little, little man's lunch right now, this little combo meal. We'll take it to Jesus. And Jesus is going to be like, all right, man, we're in trouble. Send them home. That's, if that's all we got, that's not enough. Send them home. Let's let them go their way. And they take the, the, the food to Jesus, and Jesus doesn't give them the, I'm just imagining this, okay? I just do this when I read the Bible. I, I try to imagine myself in a story. They've been there all day, never-ending service. And Jesus takes the, the, the basket of food. He says, all right, great. Go, go sit them down in groups of 50. And they're probably thinking, what? Groups of 50. You see, you see this food here. Peter's like, this is not, you know, this is not even enough to feed me. My stomach's going to be angry after I eat this thing. He's like... Put them in groups of 50. Groups of 50. And Jesus is about to serve a meal, about to prepare these people to be served with a little bit of, of food. Now, we, we have to look at what, what, what happens here. What, what, verse 16, they, they do something interesting. And actually, let me back up. They're groups of 50. You're thinking 5,000, no big deal. It's not really like 5,000. This is more like 25,000 because they're not counting the, the women and the children. 
during these times. They're, they're, they leave them out of the equation. Women, you know, who are part of the women's liberated movement, don't trip. That's just the way it was back then, okay? So we're thinking about 25,000 people. This is a big crowd, groups of 50, and a little bit of food. Now, this is what Jesus does. In verse 16, and taking the five loaves, how many? Five loaves and two fish, right? Two fish. He looked up to heaven and said, a blessing over them. Well, good. Jesus prayed for the food. How's this going to tie in with giving, finances, tithing? We're, we're going we're to teach off a principle here of giving. They, they, if you notice here, they, they bring the basket of food to who? And they bring it to him first. They don't, they don't take the food and, and Peter, let me split this. Let's make a little sandwich here, man, a little fish sandwich here. You take this bread and we're, these guys, they're just in trouble. The rest of these folks, you know, Lord be with them, you know, but he's right here. But anyway, give, they, they, they give Jesus the food. And how much did it say they gave him? Five. How many fish did they give him? Two. What did they start out with? Five and two. When they give Jesus the the basket of food, they give him all of it. And they don't take any for themselves. They give it to him first. Now, this is how does this this relate to money? Only what is given to God first can be blessed. You know that how you give is just when you give is just as important is how you give. I don't think you, 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 that registered with you. When you give is just as important as how you give. Well, I thought I was just supposed to be a happy, cheerful giver. I'll come in, you know, with the, my, my $10 and be all happy and put it, put it in there and, and God is happy. But when you give, if that's the first $10 you make, then that's, that's a different story. But if, if you, have, you have spent everything and you only have $10 because you, you have just spent everything on yourself, that's a different story. What they do is they, they bring Jesus the portion first. And before, before the meal even multiplies, it has to be blessed. Before money can multiply in your life, before your resources can multiply, it's got to be given to him first. It's got to be blessed. And when, when it's blessed, it can go further. It's, it, it, it's interesting because if the, the disciples would have just taken the, the food from the boy, like, hey, cool, man, let me, let me borrow this for a little bit. You know, he's not going to get it back. And he's, let me just take it. And, and Jesus is, is doing his thing. And they're just distributing that food. The only thing that they're going to have, they're going to have just five loaves and, and two fishes. It's, that's, that's what it's going to be. It's not going to go very far. But it's the fact that they give it to Jesus first. And it has the blessing of Jesus on it that it goes further than it normally can go. Because in Jesus' hands, little becomes much. Little goes a long way. 
Now, this is why it's a blessing to give and to give to God first because your resources will go further than they normally could. This is why we give to God first. This is not about the church taking all your money. This is about you understanding God's economy and understanding that when I give to him first, not last, not second, but when I put him first in my life, then he will take my needs and he'll take care of them and my resources will go further Things will stretch out further than they normally could go. It's the way it works. It's the blessing of Jesus on our things, on our stuff. That makes it go further. It's the way it works. That's the way it works in the kingdom. If we want our our stuff to be blessed, we got to give it to him first. Now, when it comes to giving, it comes to tithing. Tithing is about giving to God first. It's about giving God the the first portion. It's not about giving to him last. And you've heard me say before, we can't say that God is first in our life and he's last on our budget. It just doesn't work like that. If he is first, then he has to be first in all areas of our life. Now, when, when, when we look at the tithe, you know, the, we, we sometimes think, well, you know, I can't afford to give. I can't afford it because if if I give, then I don't have enough to meet my need. You know what? The disciples didn't have enough to meet the need either. It's the fact that they gave that gave them the ability to see the resource begin to grow and to be able to stretch and increase. It's the fact that when we can't afford to do it, but we put God first, that it actually gives us the ability to be givers. Because as we give, he keeps on giving to us. You hearing me this morning? All right. The only reason, the only reason why I can give is because I give. Isn't it ironic that people that say they can't afford to give are the ones that don't tithe? What gives you the ability to give is that you give. Do you understand that? It's, that's the only reason why we have made this a practice. This is a covenant in our home with God. What's that tithing declaration all about that we, we repeat on Sundays about promotions? This, that's about covenant because when we give, we are in covenant with God. And as we give, he just, we, we can expect him to, to do his part. Now, some of you, you're, you're giving, but you haven't been seeing an increase in your life. But have you been declaring the blessing of God in your life? When there's a need in my life and I can't meet it, I got to, I got to go to him. I was like, Hey Lord, this is your problem. I did what I needed to do. I gave, this is, this is yours. I'm your son. You got to deal with this. You got to take care of this because I, I've, I've did my part. You, you said that if I would give, then it it gives me the ability to receive. So where's it at Lord? Now we're going to talk about some tithing excuses real, real quickly. Hang on to your seat. I have one for everybody today. Okay, let's start with the first one. 10% of what I make is too much to give to God. Now, if, if, if you make, you know, you, you make $100 a week, 10% of that is what? $10. That's pretty easy. $1,000, $100. You give, you, you make 1000 give 100 You still have... $900 left, okay? You, you, you make more, it goes up. 
right? It's still 10, but it goes up. Now, there's some people that they make a little bit more, and they're like, dude, I can't give 10%. That's just too much money, you know? This could be a car payment for me, you know? I want to buy a new car. I can't afford that. But, but here's, here's what we're going to do. We, we do the declaration, promotions at work. We're now going to do for you that think 10% is pay decreases at work. No promotions. Wage garnishments at work. <laughs> How's that? Well, we want to make it easier for you to give. Because 10%, if, if tithing at 10% is too much at this level, maybe making $100 a week, giving 10 is easier. So we'll pray, Lord, take some of their income, make it easier for them. You know, this. Would that help? Because if, if you're struggling at this level, you know, if you... If you're making $500 a week and $50 is like, it's just like, dude, this is like, this sucks. We're not going to pray that God increase your, your, your money to $1,000 a week because you will have a hard time with that. So doesn't it make sense? Lord, cut their hours at work. Cut that salary, Lord. Make it easier for them. How's that? No. Okay. I will give more when I have more. Another excuse. When I have more money, I'll, I'll give. When I win the lottery, we've got lottery Christians in here. Powerball, you know. <laughs> Mega whatever that is, you know. Mega millions, you know. We heard some of you folks in here, well, Pastor, when we win the lottery, we're going to have amazing church. Children's outreach center, jam, basketball jam. You know, all this stuff. You were the first people that will leave this church when you win the lottery. You're lying to yourself. You will buy a boat and be sailing on Sundays. You will never see you again. Right? You're kidding yourself. Your, 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 your heart's not here. Your money's not here. Your heart's not here. Come on, stop fooling yourself. The more money you make, sometimes it, it's harder to give. Statistics show that. The more people make, the harder it is for them to let go. People that make less, this is crazy. People that l- make less than $10,000 a year, that's not much. Give more than some of the, in proportion to what they have, give more than people that are the wealthiest in the world. Well, how is that possible? Bill Gates gives millions and millions, but he has billions. And it's the people that usually don't have as much that are the ones that are, that are giving the most. So you can tell yourself, I'll give more when I have more. But chances are, it's just not going to happen. In fact, in Luke, there's a scripture where, where it talks about us being faithful in a little. Let's bring that up. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with, with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with, with much. So if you're dishonest right now with, with $500 a week... You're going to be really dishonest with $5,000 a week. You know, that's just, that's just the reality. There's just, you know, so that's that excuse. Let's go on to another one. Okay. Everybody having fun today? Yeah. I am. Okay. I don't believe in tithing. It's, it's an Old Testament thing. Well, Jesus mentioned give tithing one time in the New Testament. 
I think that one time, one time should be enough. I, I, I expect my kids, I tell you something one time, I expect you to do it. Anything after one time is disobedience. And we seem to think, well, there's not a whole chapter on tithing and this and that. But Jesus only should say thing one time. You know, one time should be enough. And you might say, well, still, that's under the law. It actually started before the law. But, you know, let, let's, just, let's just look at it this way. Malachi chapter 6, Jesus talks about um, tithing and robbing. Verse 8 says, will a man rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask me, how do we rob you in tithes and offering? Old Testament. Look at the, the verse, couple verses before. I, the Lord, do not change. When did he change his mind about giving? I mean, I, I don't know. Did he, he, he was saying not to, to commit adultery in the Old Testament too, but that didn't change in the New Testament, right? He said, don't steal, don't kill. As far as I know, under grace, those things, you still shouldn't be doing that, right? Okay, so let's look at it this way. Well, under the, the law, you know, it's just it's, it's legalism, this and that. Let me just put it this way. I mean, how can we expect to give less now under grace when we've been given more? I mean, how can we, we say, you can go and clap there, you awkward clappers. Go ahead. You know, I give you permission. Don't worry, man. You can clap. It's okay. Even if you're by yourself. God bless you, you know. Clapping for the word, not me. We've been given more than, than the Old Testament people. And folks, we've been given better promises. We've got a better covenant. We have the Holy Spirit. We have more resources. We have all these things that God has given, forgiveness of sin. You know, back then when people sinned, they, they, would, they would kill a lamb, but they still had to it didn't take away the emotional stain in their heart for sin. It didn't heal the hurts in their life. But we have access to that today. Not only are we forgiven of our sin, God erases it, doesn't remember it anymore. We have the blood of Jesus that heals and, 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 it, and it redeems us. And we've been given so much more and we expect to give less? I don't think so. How is that possible? Jesus didn't lower the bar under grace. He raised it. And we should be people that, man, if they gave 10 in Old Testament, 10 is a starting point. If they gave 10, man, I'm giving more. Because God has done that much in my life. 10 is too little for for me just to stop at 10. Because God has given too much for me in my life. God has blessed me so much. Now, am I saying my rich? I tell my kids we're rich. My kids ask me, Daddy, are we rich or are we poor? <laughs> if you got to ask that, you know, that's... <laughs> anyway, you know, I tell my kids, yeah, we're rich. I'll pull out some cash, you know, a bunch of ones, you know. <laughs> Look at that, son. Because I don't want my kids to grow up with a poverty mentality. And my father up in heaven, he's the one that's rich. I'm his son, so, you know, I've got inheritance, you know. So if I tell my kids we're rich, then they ask me, well, can we go and buy a new game? No. (laughs) All right. 
Next one. God understands if I don't tithe because uh, I don't have, God understands if I don't tithe because I don't have much to begin with. Another excuse. God understands. I, I'm, in, I'm in financial crisis. God understands. What did, what did Malachi say? He says, will a man rob God, yet you rob me, but you ask, how, how do we rob you in tithes and offering? Tithe means tenth, okay? So anything under a tenth or the tithe is robbery, according to God. I didn't say it. It's right there. Okay? Now let me, if, if that's robbing God, anything under ten, ten is the starting point. But anything under 10 is robbery to God. If, if, if I say God understands, it's like this. Would, would you understand this, okay? You're walking to your car when you leave here. And somebody from this church pulls a gun out on you today when you leave here. And they say, excuse me, I, I need to take your money. And they hold the gun sideways too like the hood, you know. <laughs> I, need your, I need your wallet. And I need it now because... I'm going through some hard times, man, and I know you're going to understand because <laughs> I'm struggling right now. So you should understand. Give me your car, too, because I like that, but give me your wallet, and God bless you. <laughs> Are you just going to be like, yeah, sure, man, I understand. I've been there before, brother. I've been there. I understand. I feel your pain. Take the car, man. Take it. Of course not. You're going to be mad. What if you say, you know, like, well, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not giving 10. I'm giving 5%. I'm working up to it. Lord knows my heart. He knows I'm getting there. I'm growing in this thing. That's like saying, that's like a robber saying, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to rob five convenience stores this year. I'm only doing three. I'm changing my life. You know? That's it. I'm changing this thing. Going to five to three. Still robbing. The idea isn't to rob God less. It's just not robbing at all. Even if you're doing 9%, 9.99. Don't rob God. That's the point. Let me see if I have any more because I like these. You know, Okay. <laughs> That's it. Okay, let's move on. So back to the story. <laughs> I got to hurry up here. Back to the story. Okay, so the, the, the disciples give Jesus the food. And it says, and taking the five loaves, two fish, he looked up to heaven, said blessing over them. Then he, what, broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. He broke. Now, watch that. He broke the loaves. He breaks up the bread. You know why he breaks it up, right? Hasn't multiplied yet. There's no miracle yet. It's blessed. It, it has the potential to grow. But nothing's happened yet. So he's got, he splits it up. If it had already mul- multiplied, there's no reason to split it up and, and break it up. So he breaks it up and gives it to Peter. This is Peter. Gives it to Peter. A little sliver of bread. He's like, go give that away, man. Hungry people over there. Groups of 50. And, and Peter's probably like, what the? What am I supposed to do with this? Go give it away. Pass that out. Feed the people. 
Are you kidding me? People are going to be angry. We're just teasing them. And you can imagine Peter feeling like all this, this fear, like taking this little piece of bread and, and taking it to a bunch of hungry people, you know, and people get grouchy when they're hungry, you know, and, and, and something happens. So you don't know how it happens, but it happens as they're giving it away. As they're giving it away, it grows. It multiplies. Only what is given away can multiply. Only what is given away. And if they would have, they would have, you know, if, if Peter and John, they're like, you know what, man? Forget these folks. I'm hungry. Make me a sandwich now, dude. I know that you make them good. Let's just eat this right now. You know how much they're eating that day? They're just eating five loaves and two fish. That's it. But it's the fact that it was blessed And as they give it away, the miracle doesn't take place in Jesus' hands. It takes place in the disciples' hands. So, And that's the way it works. God gives us something. He He places something in our lives. Places anointing on our lives. Places resources and talents in our lives. Places finances in our lives and as as and he he blesses it we give it to him he blesses it and he expects us to give it away we have the wrong mentality we have uh, we have this consumers mentality god gives it to me now where can i spend it lord where can i spend it now right when you get a pay raise at work you're not thinking the first thing that crosses your mind oh now who can i give to now how can i give more who am I going to bless? You're thinking, all right, well, you know, stacking up your, your numbers. All right, I got, this is my bills. I got this leftover now. What are we going to buy? We're going to go buy a new t- television. But God blesses us, puts it back on our hand so we can, we can give it away. And this is what, what, what happens in verse 17. It says that, that they all ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. God doesn't just meet the need. He exceeds it. And this is why it's a blessing to give. Because as we give, the, God isn't going to just meet your need. He'll meet the needs of others through you. Right? Now, do you think the little boy, little, you know, little Pastor Nick version, little Pastor Nick, with all his bread, little fish, do you think that he walked away with more than what he went into the situation with? Of course he did. Because the Bible says they ate as much as they want. He gives a little combo lunch. He walked away with an all-you-can-eat buffet and a doggy bag, too. The disciples walked away with, with leftovers. Now, God has the ability to meet your need. And this is what we need to get in our hearts. This is why we can't be afraid of being generous with people, if giving of our, of, of our resources. Because as we give, God has the ability now to multiply that in your life. But if it stays in your hand, there is no multiplication. First, second Corinthians, I got to move quick. We got to end this thing pretty soon. I have the band come up and we're going to close this thing out. Second Corinthians 9, uh, 10, it says, for God is the one, for God, okay? Not, not the Republicans or the Democrats, or the government. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and bread 
to eat. In the same way, he will provide an increase. That word increase in the, in the Greek there is multiply your resources and then produce a great harvest of what? Generosity. So the goal for, for, for God giving you something isn't so that you can have more stuff, but it's to produce generosity in you. You understand that? A lot of preachers say it one way. Just God just wants to bless you because he loves you. God wants to bless you because he's trying to produce generosity in you. That's the goal. And when he, when he produces generosity in us, we're more like him and we have his heart. Because you know what? The Great Commission costs money to finance that vision. Do you understand that? God has a vision for the world, and it costs money to finance that dream that God has for this world. And the, the way that God wants to do it is he wants to channel money in, into your hands so that you can be the way to meet the needs of other people. He's the one that gives seed to the farmer. Seeds are no good unless they're planted. If you have a bunch of seed and you're, you're a farmer, you got seed stored up, you got jars of seed, it does you no good unless it's ever planted. Because the, the law of harvest is that you always receive more than you plant. And in the kingdom, we always receive more than we give. The little boy walks out of this situation with more than what he went in with. That's the way it works, folks. And some of you are wondering, how are we going to make ends meet? You've been watching, you know, politics and putting your, trying to figure out who you're going to vote for, who's going to bring more money in your pocketbook. Well, guess what, folks? It's not going to happen. This, this, this nation needs God to turn it around. It's not the Republicans. It's not the Democrats. God wants to channel money and resources through the body of Christ so that the world can be generous and show that he is Lord. And if we just want to think the government's going to give us handouts and tax cuts and you think that the nation's going to be better and you're putting all your hope in that, you need to put your hope in the line of Judah. You need to put your hope in God. You need to operate God's way because he's the one that's going to turn this thing around. As we give to him, he blesses it. As we give it away, he multiplies it. God is looking for people in this church. Go and stand with me real quick. God is looking for people in this church that have his heart. God wants to bless people in this church that have his heart because if you don't have his heart, he can't trust you with the blessing. Can't trust you with that promotion at work because, you know, he won't bless you out of relationship with him. Some of you, you made more money, you wouldn't be serving God. You would be out the door. You would ruin your life. You, you, would, you would drink yourself to death. You would ruin your, your family. You would, you would totally blow that money because you don't have God's heart. But if you have God's heart, saying, I can trust you. Now I'm going to channel money through you to bless other people because you have my heart. But I want to ask you, does God have your heart?
Matthew 6, 21. You learned this in our starting point class. Matthew 6, 21 says your heart will be where your treasure is. Your heart will be where your treasure is. Where your heart be then? Where is your heart? Because if Jesus doesn't have your money, he doesn't have your heart according to what the word is saying here. He doesn't have your treasure. He doesn't have your heart. It's not my words. It's what he says. Your money and your heart are not two separate things to God. You, you, your, your faith and your finances are not inseparable in, in the eyes of God. And God wants what you need the most because it shows him that you trust him with everything in your life. Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at www.cwcsj.org.